everyone. Welcome to another edition of CIBC Perspectives. I'm Avery Schenfeld, Chief Economist of CIBC. It's my pleasure today to be joined by Professor Paul Baldry, who in many, for many of you will be better known as former Deputy Governor of the Bank of Canada, Paul Baldry. Paul was a longtime leading light in Canada's academic circles in the field of economics, was a significant contributor, of course, to the Bank of Canada's decisions over the past years from 2019 to 2023, when he served as a deputy governor, and also left the bank with a fair bit of interesting research, including some papers he had done and some speeches on the longer-term outlook for where interest rates will settle, all of which, of course, are very interesting topics for our own clients. So nice to have you with us here, Paul, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Well, it's really my pleasure to join you there, Avery. I think we should get started with the most recent developments, which is the Bank of Canada's latest pronouncements on interest rates and, of course, the accompanying monetary policy report. Markets did see a little bit of a change in tone from the bank, but given your background there, I'm wondering how you interpreted the overall message that the bank was trying to deliver to market participants. Well, I think there's a set of things. First of all, I don't think many people were surprised with the decision itself, the idea of that keeping rates at 5% didn't surprise markets. So it's really much more in the, the change in some of the tone. So the pivot from this aspect of, you know, wondering whether the bank had been restrictive enough to whether it, how long it has to hold rates, I think that's important. So it's really this aspect of have rates been high enough? And there's generally the view now at the bank that probably they have been high enough. And now we get into this aspect of how long. That right away opens the idea that when you change that, then people can start talking about cuts. But at the same time, there was a message of, well, wait a minute, it's not kind of quite time to talk about cuts. So I think we want to break that down in a few pieces of understanding that total message there. The first thing is why the change in kind of messaging and the, the large part there and coming in both uh, through the speech, the, the press release and the NPR is in large part, the economy's been kind of moving along the path that the bank has been expecting. So this is kind of the developments are in line with expectations. So that was a bit the idea in the past. If things go that way, we'll feel more confident. I think the big piece there was really this aspect that there's a general sense of the economy now being in excess supply. And so this aspect that there's been enough tightening to bring the economy in that situation, which should favor inflation coming down. But at the same time, why this pushback of saying we're not ready to talk about rate cuts and everything is on the flip side. You really look at the price pressures and they haven't changed so much. Now, the bank had been predicting that they won't change so much. So it's still very much in line with what they've been saying. So in that sense, it's kind of this consistent message of things are developing as we expected. But this expectation included that a lot of these price pressures might take a while. And that's what we're really seeing. A lot of the core measures haven't been coming down. There's this aspect of wage growth that's quite high, especially kind of, uh, related to productivity, and we'll kind of, we can come back to that. And you know, different measures, expectations, price behavior, they're all kind of really moving slowly or not moving too much. And that's kind of keeping the bank to say, we'll need to keep rates at this level for a while, and we'll have to see developments that really get us convinced that the economy is going back to that 2%. So in the background, does that tell us somewhere where rates might start coming down? And my breakdown of this is relative to others of how fast things uh, might go. And I think people have very much these different views. If you're very much someone that thinks, oh, the whole thing was kind of getting excess supply in the system, it's there, therefore rates should try to start cutting. 
On the flip side, it's very much more, and that's I'm more in that view of kind of thinking, you really have to look at these price pressures and kind of looking at these before you get an idea of when they, the Bank of Canada might cut. And if you look at the projection, really you see, and this has been there for a while, it's kind of mid-2024, they're kind of predicting that some of these underlying forces and in inflation should be kind of coming down. So my impression is they'll be hesitant to reduce rates until that kind of period, I'd say the mid-year. So I wouldn't see the potential of rate cuts until probably the July decision so that they kind of get that aspect. Is this kind of fall in inflation by mid-year really materializing? If it does, then I think you know things will start moving and everything. Now, they could move faster if everything actually moved you know, a lot faster and things, these price pressures disappear. But if they just stagnate as they're doing now, then I think there'll be this tendency to kind of at least want to wait till the mid-year to get this aspect that they think in the underlying forces. And I'm guessing it's some of the aspects that they're thinking some groups of goods and different things will kind of come down, inflation come down by mid-year. So that's where we'll kind of see that aspect. So I would expect no rate cuts until the mid-year, except if really developments change on the positive side. But that's kind of like a more like the lucky draw. I noticed that they did in their projection project a pickup in growth in the second half of the year, and they attributed that pickup to an easing in financial conditions, which almost sounds like it's consistent, I suppose, with interest rates in that second half of the year being lower or lower enough to make a difference. Well, already we're seeing kind of the easing. So even when they're staying at 5%, we're already seeing an easing in financial conditions. We're already seeing longer-term mortgage rates, for example, you know, those five-year rates, they're coming down different parts. So even when they're keeping at the 5% level, even without them kind of changing, there is a, a change in those financial conditions. And there's this also, and kind of come back with the U.S., there's also kind of a lot of aspects there kind of moving to suggest that financial conditions will kind of become a little bit easier. So that kind of pickup and also the exports to the U.S. is kind of being an important part of kind of helping that growth as we get uh, further down. So I guess we need them to validate to some extent, though, the expectations that have been built in, because otherwise those five-year rates would move back up again. Oh, yes, for sure. But uh, again, uh, my, my impression that they... That might take a while. So again, we're kind of waiting. I wouldn't see kind of quick rate cuts, except if we see some of these real price pressures. So I really do think on the real economy, there really has been this slowdown. And again, the recession kind of wording to me is always a little bit like not the, the best wording because when you have a lot of population growth, recession's a kind of high hurdle to kind of get. But there's a real slowdown. When you look at the per capita growth, the Canadian economy is really kind of uh, growing very slowly. We see the unemployment ticking up. So we're really in a downturn right now. And that aspect is kind of you know, running its way. But you really need this other part of seeing these price pressures kind of fall before I really think that the bank is going to validate those aspects that the market thinks is going to happen. You mentioned the U.S. And there's obviously been a huge contrast between big upside surprises in U.S. growth and the near recession that we've been in in Canada. Financial markets are actually betting that the Federal Reserve will cut more aggressively this year, obviously looking at their progress on their inflation measure versus ours. How do you think that plays out, the tension between the U.S. economy, which doesn't exactly look like it's desperate for interest rate relief, but making progress on inflation that we haven't quite seen as much of in Canada? I, I think that's a really good question. And I really see there's a really distinct uh, aspect right now. The U.S. is just in a much better position, okay, and the kind of choices they have in different things. If you look at some of these underlying pressures on uh, prices, they're really coming down much faster in the U.S. 
despite the fact that they're kind of growing faster. So it's kind of like they get it, they're kind of doing it better on both sides there, that uh, things are kind of working very well, despite the fact that the effect directly on slowing down the economy has been bigger in Canada, we've had less, uh, less of that progress on inflation. So you might wonder, why? Where is this biggest difference? And I think there's a few factors, but I think the main factor there is really the productivity factor. So after a period, you know, of kind of high inflation, everything, it's very natural to kind of have, you know, a process of kind of catch up of wages and wages increases. And if you look nominally, they're kind of similar between Canada and the U.S., but the U.S. has been just getting these productivity surprises. And so, you know, even at 4% kind of uh, wage growth, if you get these productivity surprises, doesn't mean it passes through to prices. So you get a kind of dynamics that's kind of much more positive in the U.S. and bringing in this possibility of a Goldilocks scenario of actually coming down with inflation and really not even getting into a period of really excess supply or anything to get to that point. So I really do think that the U.S. is in a good position, really kind of having the aspect of being able to cut and I wouldn't be surprised that they actually cut earlier, even despite this difference in ty types of tightening. But I agree with you that the cuts might not be as aggressive that people think. So I wouldn't be surprised that it goes in that direction. And there really is the aspect that the U.S. economy is doing very well. And so I think there'll be a sign of kind of wanting to you know, acknowledge that prices are kind of coming down and you know, bringing interest rates a bit down. But the idea that there's no hurry, as long as the American economy is growing at the type of rates we're seeing, there's not a big reason to kind of take a risk of overheating it. So then it could be that Canada and the U.S. is actually at, at kind of two very different uh, speeds there. And that often makes tensions. And how that will play out on the exchange rate is very intriguing because there's kind of two different scenarios you could see there. And it makes a, a big difference how it plays out. Suppose the U.S. starts cutting a bit earlier exactly because these price pressures are kind of doing better and Canada keeps interest rates a bit higher exactly, kind of pushing it a bit further out to make sure it sees the price pressures declining, that could be kind of like, okay, well, you know, interest rates are a bit higher, that helps the Canadian dollar and everything. That's the optimistic view of how that might rule out. On the flip side, if the market starts seeing, well, the reason for that difference is the higher inflation in Canada, and it's kind of more uh, entrenched there, you could see actually pressure on the downside. And that kind of feeds back in, making it even harder, because if you start getting a bit of depreciation through that, it starts moving some of those prices. So that's that's really that, that tension we see between the two. And I really think the U.S. is in a nicer, kind of easier kind of position, and Canada has a bit harder choices there. So maybe you should have been on the Fed rather than the Bank of Canada. I got the easier calls. I won't ask you about why their productivity is so much better, because we could have a whole conversation about that for another day. But let's turn to when we do get these made cuts coming. Uh, of course, financial markets not only are placing bets on when and how much, but where to, where we're going to end up. And you did some interesting research at the Bank of Canada, as well as a speech on that research that talked about reasons why maybe rates won't be as low as we think they will be in the coming cycle, or at least not nearly as low as they have been in some past decades. So maybe we could look at where do you think we end up after this easing cycle is said and done here? So I think, you know, that's a huge, important question, and it's really important to kind of get an idea where things are going to end up. And this kind of coming back, especially thinking about the Fed, how they'll interpret this. And I think there's a big gray zone where we have trouble figuring out where things have changed. You know, we're kind of going, if you go back to 2019, by the end of 2019, and so now I'll think about some of the real rates of kind of thinking about interest rates adjusted for this kind of inflation part. These real rates by you know, 2019, before COVID and everything, were down to basically 0%, okay? Uh, we'd kind of look at those 10-year rates. 
Right now in the market, they're kind of at the 180 level or something. It's a very big change. So that makes the normal rates of kind of this idea of where they could be somewhere could be like three and a half percent. It could be somewhere like that versus two percent before. Now, I don't think the Fed knows. I don't think many people know exactly, but I do think the Fed will take that and be cautious. So when we're thinking about where things might go, you know, the U.S. economy is growing at a good pace and everything. Yeah, they might start cutting, but, you know, maybe they'll aim like once they get to four going down to 3.7, they might want to slow down and make sure they're not overheating because maybe that long term rate is higher and that there's kind of enough demand in the U.S. that you don't move there. So I would expect that there might be cuts there but not as far and aggressive going further. So once it touches four, I think there'll be kind of this searching and kind of slowly moving down and trying to see where that long run rate is with the idea that, you know, it might be more in that three, three and a half uh, percent for sure and not kind of back to the two percents were before. Now, those type of long real rate conditions really matter also for Canada. I was kind of taking that, you know, all those longer type things. So I'd say the same thing of where in Canada we could be going at but you know, if the real rates are kind of at, let's say, 1.5% or somewhere between that and two, then you start thinking, you know, if we get stuck at you know, even at 3% inflation, it means we're not that much in restrictive territory anymore, even at our 5%. So there's a bit of issues that kind of come up looking further down the line and different, uh, different challenges there might be. So just as a follow-up on that, you mentioned getting stuck at 3% inflation. I think one of the things economists noted in the prior business cycle, really longer than that, was that we had a very easy time, actually, not only getting to 2% inflation, but keeping it there. And actually, inflation wasn't that sensitive to drifts in the unemployment rate. Part of that was ascribed to the fact that, well, we'd gotten so used to 2% inflation that market participants, businesses, could sort of think to themselves, well, it's unlikely that inflation is going to be anything but two. Now we've had in a period where, for the first time in decades, we had a substantial length of time where inflation was way above two. Have we let that genie out of the bottle? Is it going to be now more difficult to keep expectations grounded at two because of this one episode? Or was this a short enough episode? If we get inflation back to 2% in the next year, year and a half, will that fade from memory? I, I think it's a really good question. First of all, I completely agree. We were, you know, we went basically almost, you know, 30 years of kind of uh, having inflation around two, and it wasn't very sensitive of things. I do want to remind that if you go back, bringing it down to two was not a non-costly type thing. So if you go back to kind of the early early 90s, and it was kind of like that late 80s after the, the, the big period, it was more floating around four, and then there was the idea of bringing it down two. And that, we could get into how much it was costly, but it certainly wasn't not costly. And so that aspect wasn't an easy kind of change. So kind of making that type of change is not necessarily an easy one. But conditional on making it there, then you kind of stabilize and everything. It's exactly this part which you're pushing, uh, I think, is important. It's how long can it be that you're at these higher rates and start kind of getting a mentality where maybe three is kind of like, you know, our new normal. And that's the aspect. Now, I think the pull down and bringing things back there to two is kind of really aiming well. In the case of Canada, I think it's going to be there. So I think the baseline is to kind of bring it back down. But I do think there is a bad scenario and much more challenging scenario where things get stuck at between three or three and a half or, you know, around three or a bit above the, the target, then you get exactly into this mentality of whether, you know, we got used to it and we kind of are living with three, everything's kind of working with three. 
But, you know, people don't like it. It's still kind of, you know, it makes a big difference over time how fast things kind of change in price, even at three versus two, because it's 50% more. That kind of aspect starts kind of feeling like, you know, interest rates at five. Like I say, if if things are kind of going at three and kind of the real rate is more at, you know, 1.8, we're not that restrictive. And so you can kind of get a scenario. And this is the most difficult scenario the Bank of Canada could face would be kind of that getting stuck where people are starting to live and kind of be there with that three and then needing to attack it. Like I say, I don't think it's the, the baseline scenario, but I don't think we've ruled it out in the case of Canada. And so the worst scenario I would see is exactly by the mid-year, we don't see these price pressures decrease. We see the economy might actually start growing exactly because of the U.S. kind of certain aspects kind of people getting used to it. So growth might pick up a bit. Inflation's not coming down. We kind of get kind of something in that in that ballpark. What happens to the exchange rate? Do we get a little bit of depreciation with that even supports all that part? And then you get into a difficult situation. Now, I don't want to kind of say that's my baseline, but I do always keep a, an eye for bad scenarios because, you know, you want to keep, you know, it, we have to kind of look at all things, not only the good sides. And so there's kind of good scenarios too that could kind of make things faster. So I think our, our audience is probably hoping for some of those good scenarios to work out, but I think you've given us some interesting insights into what could go wrong as well and where we might be headed to in terms of interest rates, not only near term, but longer term. And with that, I'd like to thank you, Paul, for joining us. I think our clients will definitely benefit from some of the insights that you brought. And hopefully maybe down the road, we can do this once again and revisit where Canada actually went in 2024 and how this has all panned out. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, Avery. And thanks to our uh, clients for coming online and joining us. Uh, and uh, we hope you look forward to other episodes of, uh, of our series where we'll try to bring you market moving and insightful information to help you run your businesses and your investment decisions. Thanks for joining us. The materials disclosed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and subject to our code of conduct as well as zero rules. The information and data contained herein has been obtained or derived from sources believed to be reliable, without independent verification by CIBC Capital Markets, and to the extent that such information and data is based on sources outside CIBC Capital Markets, we do not represent or warrant that any such information or data is accurate, adequate, or complete. Notwithstanding anything to the contrary herein, CIBC World Markets Inc. and or any affiliate thereof shall not assume any responsibility or liability of any nature in connection with any of the contents of this communication. This communication is tailored for a particular audience and accordingly this message is intended for such specific audience only. Any dissemination, redistribution, or other use of this message or the market commentary contained herein by any recipient is unauthorized. This communication should not be construed as a research report. The services, securities, and investments discussed in this report may not be available to nor suitable for all investors. Nothing in this communication constitutes a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any specific investments discussed herein. Speakers on this podcast do not have any actual implied or apparent authority to act on behalf of any issuer mentioned in this podcast. The commentary and opinions expressed herein are solely those of the individual speakers, except where the author expressly states them to be the opinions of CIBC World Markets, Inc. The speakers may provide short-term trading views or ideas on issuers, securities, commodities, currencies, or other financial instruments, but investors should not expect continuing analysis, views, or discussion relating to those instruments discussed herein. 
Any information provided herein is not intended to represent an adequate basis for investors to make an informed investment decision and is subject to change without notice. CIBC Capital Markets is a trademark brand name under which Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, CIBC, its subsidiaries and affiliates provide products and services to our customers around the world. For more information about these legal entities, as well as the products and services offered by CIBC Capital Markets, please visit www.cibccm.com.